busy. There's no denying that. Exercises, inspections, deployments, DUIs, wherever you work here at the Wing, no matter your AFSC, you've probably seen an uptick in your workload lately. What a great time to be a maniac. That's the beauty in what we do though. The environment is constantly changing, ever evolving. It makes for an extremely interesting career. I think the important thing is that we're ready for those changes. We're ready to adapt if need be. For those of you who don't know, this is the Maniac Radio Show. My name is Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair. Recording in the PA studio where the coffee is hot and the sound waves are flowing. God, that was weak. Today we have Colonel Ian Gillis, the 101st Air Feeling Wing Commander. He has graciously given us some of his time to talk about some of those upcoming changes. So you'll get to hear it from him, which is pretty cool. There's no third-party middleman that somehow skews the rumors on change so badly, in fact, that there's enough fiction to fill a Stephen King novel. No, today you'll hear it directly from him, the Wing King himself. So, Colonel... Thanks for being here. You're uh, you're busy. You and the, <laughs> you and the command chief um, have been uh, TDY quite a bit lately, and and uh, now you actually have some time to with boots on the ground back home, um, and and you want to um, take the time to to address the wing, which I think is great. Uh, of some of the stuff you want to talk about. So thank you for your time. And um, how you been, sir? Uh, well, you're you're right. It's been uh, busy the last uh, month. Uh, chief and I have been to two different conferences this month. Um, Phoenix rally with general Minahan, AMC commander. Um, and then, uh, the, uh, air national guard wing commander, uh, conference with, uh, general Lowe. Um, so the, the good thing there, um, is that the direction the wing is heading with <clears throat> Arctic ACE and, um, um, Indo-PACOM type stuff and things like that, where we are doing the things that need to be done, uh, to get after national strategy and, and the problem sets that face AMC and, um, and the Air National Guard. So, um, you know, I think, uh, it was, it was good to see that it was good to get updated on the, you know, the latest threats and impacts to our operations. Um, but like I say, the good news is, uh, the maniacs are, are doing what we need to do to be relevant, um, and, uh, contribute to the nation's defense. So, oh, that's great. So is that sort of like, um, so you mentioned general Lowe, and is that, so all the, all the wing leadership command chief and, and, and commander from all, all units get together. That's correct. Uh, yeah. The 90 wings across the air national guard got together out in California last week. Um, and we had a, a two days with general Lowe, um, and the entire team from the bureau, uh, there. And we, um, you know, discuss <clears throat> issues specific to the air national guard, um, as well as how the Air National Guard is getting after uh, national defense strategy um, in, in the roles that we play. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. And you, I mean, you guys have all met each other before, so I'm sure it's kind of like a reunion in a way. Um, yeah. So all of the wing commanders, uh, yeah, it is family reunion, um, as, uh, chief Moore used to say. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. We all have similar challenges in our wings. Uh, so, uh, every once in a while you, as you're sitting down to dinner, uh, with the, uh, the other 135 commanders, um, and you start talking, you're like, oh, wow, Hey, you solved that problem. Great. Uh, I'm going to take that and replicate it in my wing. Um, you know, or, Hey, this is challenging me. Um, oh yeah, it's challenging us too. Uh, no, haven't figured out how to fix it yet, but you know, Hey, let's talk. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we're always uh, better as a team than we are uh, individuals. So, um, no, it's a huge benefit there. And um, I, I would say that um, what, a, what a great group of, uh, of American citizens, um, airmen, uh, citizen soldiers uh, to, to work with. I'm sure uh, a ton of uh, like crazy experience with crazy backgrounds, too, I can only imagine. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, as everyone knows, I, I've got, uh, what, 30, 34 years, 35 years in, in service. There, there are some that have more than that. Um, and then there are others that have time in the Navy um, or, you know, we're in the Army. Um, one of the wing commanders um, was an air cav uh, helicopter pilot and has got combat experience. Um, and, and they bring that experience to uh, wing command uh, with a 135 unit. That's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, humbled by the, uh, the experience uh, that is in that group. But if it's like, don't, you know, kind of what you were saying earlier, I, I guess like if it's not broken, don't fix it. So if, if you can learn from each other and so that we can collaborate and move forward as an individual unit or wing based off other wings experiences, why not? That makes sense to me. Yeah. That's, that must've been a challenge during, during the height of COVID not being able to, um, mingle together and, and learn, you know, but yeah, luckily, um, I, I kind of took command of the wing as we were coming out of COVID. So, um, we were just starting to have all of those conferences again as, as I was uh, getting in the seat. Um, so I've, I've been taking full advantage of that networking opportunity. So this, you meeting, um, with us and, and taking the time to talk, sir, this is kind of a, as you mentioned before, kind of a precursor of what's to kind of expect for this weekend. And, and again, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this and to, and to, and to, uh, address, address the troops and address the wing. What are some of the things that, uh, that people can expect for change or, or, or see coming up? Um, yeah, well, a great question. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you kind of hinted towards it, uh, looking to do, uh, some town hall meetings with the different groups. Um, uh, we'd first talked about doing maybe an all call, but, um, I think it's a little bit better, a little bit easier to uh, do Q and a, if we do, uh, town halls, um, you know, by each group. So, uh, chief Niederowski and I are going to try and get around to at least two groups this weekend, uh, to have a town hall and discuss some things. Um, but the, the big things that I think uh, are ahead of us are um, budget related. Um, and uh, this year, the O&M budget is in pretty good shape. Um, it it's, hasn't recovered from pre-COVID numbers, um, but um, it, you know, it didn't take any big cuts this year. Uh, but the MILPERS budget, budget uh, within the Air National Guard took about $150 million uh, hit this year. Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, deficit compared to what we needed, what we requested. Um, and that's driving some, uh, problems with, uh, annual training, um, and, uh, travel and that kind of stuff. So, um, we've got some challenges there and ways, you know, we're looking at ways to get leaner, get better, uh, to, to overcome that. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the first one that I think probably, uh, uh people are noticing is, um, uh, UTA meals. Um, we're, uh, going down to serving one meal, a drill weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a couple reasons there. One of them is there's an O&M bill, um, uh, an operations, uh, uh, funding bill that goes with that meal, uh, with the service contract to help serve that meal. Um, so by cutting it down to one day on a drill weekend, we can reduce that, that contract cost. Um, more importantly though, is the training time for our services folks. 
um, when they are serving a meal each day, um, they have to dedicate the majority of their day to prepping, serving, and cleaning up from that meal. Um, and that means that they're not getting after their other AFSC-related training. Uh, that means that they're not getting after the ACE training and the multi-capable airman training that we're asking them to do. So by uh, you know bringing that down into one meal on a weekend, we're now going to give them back a day uh, to get after their training. Um, and you know for for folks that aren't aware, services is much more than just you know the defac and feeding. Um, there's a, you know there's a mortuary affairs piece. There's an MWR piece. There's a, a lodging and billeting piece. Um, and, and that's before we even talk about any of the multiple capable, multi-capable airmen stuff that we're asking them to do too. So, um, we're, we're going to try it. Um, and, uh, you know, this is kind of my pledge to the wing too. Um, if it doesn't work, you know, if it doesn't get us better training and, and things like that, then, you know, we'll, we'll revisit it and, and determine, but, um, uh, you know, a couple of factors there that are, are really important with, uh, reducing that workload. So, hmm. You know, before we hit record, um, the Colonel and I were briefly talking about uh, taking any situation uh, and the mindset of taking any situation and trying to turn it into a positive. And the first thing that kind of came, so, which is something I know I don't typically think of. Um, and uh, so that being so fresh in my mind and hearing you talk about um, us going down to one meal um, a weekend, this might be a great opportunity uh, for individual shops and uh, for supervisors to to maybe plan something, whether it's grilling or, you know, kind of having a, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is a guard picnic where they can collaborate with their team members and, and get to know each other on a, um, a personal or interpersonal basis. Um, and maybe it might be a good opportunity for that. Yeah. Um, great point there. Um, and actually we're, we're planning on keeping the pavilion down at the uh, DFAC open, so that, you know, even though they're not serving, uh, folks can come down there to do the kind of things that you're talking about. Um, the, the base exchange has also looked at bringing food trucks on uh, base uh, to provide another, you know, source of food um, on drill weekends. Um, I don't think they're ready to execute that this weekend. It's going to take them a little while to get that contract going. But, uh, you know, again, another, another source um, you know, so that you can go down to the commissary, pick up, you know, something for lunch or, or maybe just grab something at a food truck there, um, to, uh, and then go back to, to your, uh, UTA uh, training. I, I briefly remember you saying something about revising the commuting distance. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, again, this goes back to, um, you know, the O&M budget, um, and the Millpers budget. So, um, we, you know, we're required by AFI to establish a commuting distance, um, and that affects um, annual training, ST, and that kind of stuff. Um, and it, you know, in that way, impacts the the mill pers. As we looked at our current commuting distance, um, and and the distance from the base, it didn't make sense. Um, in other words, you'd have some zip codes that were closer to the base that were outside of our commuting distance. And then I look, you know, to the west, and um, there's a zip code that's inside our commuting distance, but farther away. Um, and you know, I, I can't give you a good answer why. Um, somebody long before me set that up, and, and that's the way it is. Uh, so what we did is we looked at our full-time uh, workforce here, um, and looked at the majority of those folks. How far do they travel to come to work? 
Um, and we use that to establish a, a commuting distance. And uh, so we're revising that um, uh, wing OI right now. And um, you'll see a, a change in that commuting distance. Um, I don't think it's going to be a dramatic change, but yes, there will be, you know, a few people that are going to be, you know, inside the boot now, as, as we say. Um, and again, what does that do? That affects the mill pers resources. And, and I, I would say that we're probably just making it more equitable. Again, we're trying to shape it so that it makes sense. And, you know, it, it is really, you know, inclusive and you don't have some zip code, uh, you know, in the middle of the bubble that, um, is a, you know, a, a, a non-commuting mm, that makes <laughs> zip sense. code. Yeah. Um, but the the offshoot of that is that it um, you know it's going to help us uh, better capture that mill pers bill. Um, the side note to that is most commanders will use that as a gauge for who uh, will get lodging in kind when they come to drill. That's an O and M bill, um, an operations and maintenance bill for funding. Um, and again, maybe it's going to change that a little bit. Um, but I would also say that, you know, that's a commander's decision as to when, you know, lodging in kind makes sense. But uh, generally, we use that commuting distance as a as a, at least a gauge to, to make those decisions. So, OK, uh, this is kind of a um, might be a silly question, but this is coming from somebody who doesn't know a whole lot about the, that, that kind of stuff, uh, having been fortunate enough to live pretty close um, to, to the, to the wing, um, my entire career. But does that, is that in any way going to affect people who are, uh, um, like say, I guess out of staters, like someone who maybe people who come in from out of state to drill. Yeah, it will, it will not affect those people at all. They, those people are still well outside of our commuting distance. Um, and again, you know, people hear that we're changing the commuting distance really we're, we're quantifying what it should be. Um, and we're cleaning up, the, the stuff that just wasn't captured properly in, mm -hmm. in our, in our old commuting distance. Um, we're really not changing the distance folks are traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, for instance, um, Augusta is inside our commuting distance because we have full-time members that live in that region that commute here. So it, it seems reasonable that that's a commutable distance. Um, and then, uh, there were some zip codes, um, you know, in the, in the Pittsfield area that were outside for some reason. Mm. So, you know, people are traveling from Augusta and, and that's a commute. Well, anybody between here and Augusta is, is now going to be a commuter where, you know, again, I think it's just cleaning things up. Um, as, as we look at drill next year, as we look at the drill schedule, um, we're talking about. Um, renovating the horizon in and making it office space that, you know, the, the current plan is that will become the new wing headquarters, which means we will lose the ability to house people there on drill weekends. Um, if we're going to pay that bill to put all those people down on the economy and for instance, August drill rooms are going for $500 a night downtown because there's a concert. Um, that's a huge expense if we have to pe put people down on the economy. Uh, one of the things that we're looking at doing is offsetting our drill schedule from the Army drill schedule so that we can take advantage of the RTI. Oh, cool. Um, and put people up at the RTI. Um, so not a done deal yet, um, but group commanders are currently looking at next year's schedule. Um, and we may move off of the first weekend of the month. Um, for some of our drills to take advantage of that RTI. 
um, again, because the, the bill for the RTI is, you know, $10, $20 a night, I believe, um, as opposed to 500 downtown. Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about a limited O&M budget, that's a huge savings. That's awesome. Um, you know, and, and what that allows us to do is get after the real mission impacts. Um, you know, I'll use the example of cold weather gear for folks. Um, you know, if we can save money in the O&M budget, that allows us to buy cold weather gear for folks. Um, and that's a, that's a mission impact. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the kind of stuff we're trying to get after. Well, that's awesome. That, 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 uh, and that facility is, is pretty nice, right? I mean, brand new facility. Um, you know, is it, uh, the five-star Hilton downtown? <laughs> no. Um, at least it's got AC, right? I think yeah. over there. So that's good. At least. A AC and I believe Wi-Fi too. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's going to be like a high life living for our, uh, <laughs> traditional guards. But, you know, sure. I guess, I guess in a way, in a joking way, I mean, if they felt the need to stay on the installation, they could always pitch a tent, like a fish concert up, up North. <laughs> really rough. Hit. Yeah. Um, can you tell us anything, sir, about, uh, about the KC 46 and where we currently stand with all that? Um, great question. And, uh, you know, people have been asking that question, uh, here for months and I haven't been able to give them really anything new. Um, good news. Uh, last week we heard from general Lowe that, uh, the SECAF, um, has seen the basing criteria and had no objections. Um, so we've passed that hurdle. We now have criteria to use to determine, you know, what the next unit will be to, to get the 46. Um, timeline wise though, um, the a five, a eight, um, division down at the guard bureau is the, the division that does this, um, you know, reviews the basing criteria and does the evaluation. They're currently working on, um, the, uh, C one thirty J, uh, basing action. Um, General Lowe is hopeful that by September they will have four preferred and four alternate locations identified for the next uh, group of C-130Js that are coming out. That's the decision that has to be made before A-58 can look at the KC-46. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, um, I'm hopeful that we'll start the process um, maybe October 1st. Uh, and if it goes smoothly, maybe we're at some sort of decision point by December. Um, I'm very cautious there because the C-130 thing has to be finished before they can start ours. Um, so if there's any delays or hiccups there, then it's going to push ours out. But the good news is that the SACAF has seen it. Um, no objections, thumbs up. We can move forward there. Um, and, and so now it's just in the queue when we get to it. Um, I've seen a draft of the basing criteria. Um, I think it's fair. I think it's looking at the things that we should look at. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily favor us. It doesn't uh, hurt us either. It, it's, it's good, a good basing criteria. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be honest. I wish it said, you know, the, the next base needs to start with bang and end in or, right. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah. know, and we could just be done and, and, uh, they'd be coming our way, but that's, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, but, uh, could be a busy fall for us to, to put that criteria together and, and answer all, all of that, uh, that information. It's a, it sounds like it's a true military fashion where it's a, uh, 
kind of a waiting game and and it's i'm sure all of you guys and as the rest of us we just want answers we just want to know it's like you know like with everything it's got needed now but patience sounds like it's probably key in this and, and keeping on top of our imr stuff and all that jazz right yeah so you know in the interim you know if if the airman on the street asks what can i do to help keep your imr up keep your training up keep um, your readiness up you know those are all the types of metrics that will be important um, and you know when the data call comes you don't want to have all your stuff overdue mm. so you know stay on top of that stuff that's that's what can get us to good um, and uh, yeah you're right uh, what did i learn at basic training um, hurry up and wait. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, folks, uh, there's a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when the process starts, it's going to be fast and furious, and we will be answering requests for information constantly uh, through the fall. So, uh, be ready. PA might be ready. It might be busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's all, that's all great information. I'm sure people are wondering the same thing I'm wondering. And if I'm, if I'm here full time and I have questions, I'm sure our DSGs have questions and maybe the lowest airman at the, um, at the gate. Um, I know he or she has questions too, because you know, you know how information can kind of get around. Uh, that's awesome, sir. Um, can you talk, uh, a little bit about Phoenix rally? Uh, so, uh, Phoenix rally was an opportunity to go sit with, um, all of the air mobility wing commanders, total force. So, uh, active duty guard reserve. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, week long, uh, meeting. So, um, you know, if you, if you think of the investment for, uh, wing commanders and command chiefs to be away from their wings for, for an entire week, um, a lot of important stuff that we were talking about there. Um, mainly focusing on the Indo-PACOM fight, um, as well as the readiness of our airmen. Um, and the piece that we really focused on there was the warrior heart um, and warrior mindset and the understanding that um, if we need to go into an Indo-PACOM fight, um, it is not going to be the global war on terror. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, a, a fight like our forefathers did island hopping across the Pacific in World War II. Um, and, and it'll be, it'll be tough. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, some mental resiliency that is required there. Um, so we, we spent a whole day uh, talking about that, um, ways that we can improve the programs in our wings. Um, we're going to try and adopt some of that stuff. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll see that roll out here throughout the summer. Um, but, uh, having that warrior heart, that warrior mindset is, is important for our airmen. Um, and then the, the other half of, of the week was, uh, looking at, you know, how do we prepare and how do we execute operations in, in the Pacific? Um, at the end of that week, we actually, uh, went to, uh, the, uh, SOCOM compound, uh, down at McDill, uh, went into their skiff and, and briefed um, how we would go about uh, doing that. Um, I was lucky enough uh, to be one of the briefers, um, and I got to look at the uh, homeland defense piece of what would be happening here, uh, CONUS, as something was going on in the Pacific. Really? Um, yeah, and, and got to brief 
you know what what the Air National Guard and tankers would be uh, contributing to that homeland defense piece. And those were that was a SOCOM community within that you were briefing. So we were in the SOCOM facility okay. because they had an area large enough for us to at the proper classification okay. level to, to to talk about it. Um, the uh, General Minahan, um, uh, General Alvin, uh, Vice Chief of Staff, uh, was there. Um, and then, you know, cascade the, the list of generals beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, all of the wing commanders and command chiefs were there as well. Um, there was about 20 of us wing commanders from uh, Active Guard Reserve that all briefed on different pieces of the plan. Um, and again, as I look at that crowd, um, you know, a little bit humbled that, yeah. uh, you know, that this cat gets to sit in and, and stand up in front of that crowd and, and talk. I'd be, I think, um, uh, I think saying that I'd be nervous would be an understatement. What was that like? What was that whole? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of public speaking. Um, although I, I tend to do it a lot. Um, when you, when you stand up in front of that crowd, it's a whole new level of public speaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. All eyes on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a topic that I'm well-versed in. Um, obviously we've been doing the Homeland Defense piece up here for a long time. Um, my time in wing plans, my time in, uh, the IG, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at that topic. So, um, you know, just dig in and, and tell the boss, uh, you know, what, what's, uh, what's going to occur and, and where the impacts are. And, um, uh, I did hear, um, from general Lowe. Um, that the briefing was really well received. Um, and that although they'd heard a lot of it before, this was the first time that it was all stitched together, um, and presented at once. And, uh, he said it was eye opening. Really? Um, so that's good. You know, our, our senior leaders understand, um, you know, how difficult that will be and how it will be a whole of nation approach. Um, if we find ourselves in a conflict like that. Wow. So oh, that's crazy. It was, did, did Chief Niedorowski get up and talk to, or? Uh, nope. No, he was, he, he was, was very happy to be yeah. in the, uh, as, as he, I think might call it the cheap seats. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah. uh, yeah, he, he was happy, uh, rooting, rooting for me the whole oh, time. Oh, that's good. At least he wasn't making faces or anything. <laughs> no. trying to get you to laugh. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about Phoenix rally, sir? No, no. I think that, you know, that covers it. And, um, you know, having, um, I oftentimes think about the cost of going to these conferences and is it really worth it? And General Farnham once told me years ago that you'll never know whether it was worthwhile to go to the conference until you've gone to it. Mm. And he said, you should always go if you can, because this might be the conference where they talk about something really important. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, so that, that kind of rings in the back of my mind every time I think, oh, do I really want to spend a week? Do I really want to spend the per diem to go do this? the airline fare and things like that. Um, it, it, it is definitely worth it. Um, one, we understand how we fit in the national level. Um, and two, we can help influence that. Um, and, and that's what I saw, you know, during my time briefing there is that understanding how the guard fits into it. I was able to convey that to our commanders at the national level. Um, so they understand, Mm -hmm. um, and that that's really important. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, it sounds like you guys are talking about real, real stuff that, that it really is relevant and, and pertinent to what we're doing. It's not like you're going to, 
um, a school to shoot a DSLR camera, you know, or something, <laughs> which is equally, you know, it's fun, but, um, but it may be not as important. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I actually have a question for you, sir, if you don't mind, um, regarding, um, I don't think we've had anybody on the podcast to talk about the, um, newly appointed official name for our base. I know we've talked about it in the stand up and maybe amongst our groups and stuff, but nothing public yet. Um, can you, can you give any, give us anything on that or? Um, well, first of all, thanks to everybody that, that, um, you know, uh, provided input to that. Um, lots of, uh, lots of good input, lots of good discussion about why, you know, why a particular name, why not? Um, at the end of the day, um, I think, uh, both tag and, and myself wanted to make sure that, it, that, um, the name wasn't lost. You know, he wanted to make sure that we didn't lose our geographic identity in the name. Um, so Bangor Air National Guard base it is. Mm -hmm. um, now, for everybody that thinks that's not a change, our official designation has always been 101st Air Refueling Wing at Bangor International Airport. So we haven't really had a base name. We've always been just on the airport. Um, and so now it, you know, it's official. We are really Bangor Air National Guard base. Which, uh, it's a much shorter acronym. Sounds a lot better. <laughs> but the, the last one's a mouthful. Our geographic identity is, is really important. Mm, especially for the air bridge stuff. Like the guys who are stopping in, they, they know it's Bangor. Maybe they don't, maybe they wouldn't know if it was, if they said Tukey or National Guard or whatever. Or, or Dow or yeah. you know, some of the other. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sinclair or National Guard base. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome, sir. Is there anything you'd like to add in our conversation we've had today? Uh, no, um, you know, appreciate the opportunity to, to get on and, and certainly appreciate your time to, to help put together a podcast. Um, you know, I, I guess I would punctuate it with, um, I wanted to get some of these topics out so that, uh, you know, for those airmen that we don't get to see this weekend, um, they can hear some of it, um, and, and maybe start thinking about it for those airmen that we are going to see this weekend. Maybe they listen to the podcast and that spurs more questions, um, so, uh, really the chief and I want to get out to the organization, um, have those town halls, have some of those conversations, answer some of the questions, um, and, and make sure that, um, you know, our airmen understand where they fit into the national defense strategy. Um, and, uh, and the reason why we're making some of the changes in the wing that we are so that we, we have the resources to get after those things. Oh, that's awesome, sir. Yeah. And I appreciate your time too. And for doing this and. Um, like I've said before a hundred times, if you, if you're a supervisor or a commander or anybody, um, who is in a leadership position, um, who is, who happens to be listening to this, please make sure you're disseminating this amongst your, your, your team and making sure that everybody hears it so that no one's lost in the dark. Um, but, uh, I appreciate your time, Colonel. Thanks a lot. And, um, have a great drill, sir. Yeah, you as well. Looking forward to seeing everybody at Trump. Thank you. Once again, please help get this information out to the masses. Share this podcast. Talk to your teams. Share the knowledge. Summer is almost here, thankfully. And with it, all the fun activities. Swimming, hiking, boating, fishing, spelunking. Whatever it is that puts wind in your sails, please do it safely. Or at least film those activities with a GoPro so it makes for some interesting footage. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. 
drill is here. Look out for one another. Check in with everybody, please. It means more than you realize when you ask someone how they're doing, how their families are doing. And please keep that in mind. Have a safe weekend, y'all. See you around.